Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. not on on our worship times and seasons, but I'm thankful to know him and experience him every day of my life. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Acts. We're going to a well-worn path today. This past Wednesday night, I... uh, said I wanted to spend a few services and talk about some of the fundamental issues of the apostolic church. I don't think that we can visit these issues too often, and I I mentioned a few things then that I want to mention today that Paul said to the Philippian church in 3 and 1 that uh, in, in essence he was not apologizing for writing these letters again to them. I'm not apologizing for repeating myself, Paul said, because it is for your safety. It is, the more we talk about this, the more we have this ingrained and instilled and impacted in our heart, the better off that we will all be. The, the book of Deuteronomy wrote that as the Lord was instructing Moses for the king's responsibility, whoever the king of Israel would be, that part of their responsibility would be to take the law and to write it down for themselves and to carry it with them at all times and to read it daily. That's a lot of responsibility. Amen. So that they might bless their family and generations to come. And so today what we're doing is we're not just trying to fill up a few minutes in a time slot, but what we're really trying to do is just kind of sift through some things and and, uh, and check to make sure that the foundation upon what, what we're building is true and sure and uh, will stand the test of time. Acts 16 is a pretty familiar story to most, but if this is your first time reading this, then we are going to take some time here today. Acts 16 and 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. 
Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling. I want you to note, if you will, verse number 29, the demeanor, the posture of this soldier. He called for a light, sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Amen. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for your presence and for your word. And I'm just humbly asking you today to stand here with me because I cannot do this on my own. I have no desire to try to do it on my own. I need your sweet presence of spirit to anoint my heart and my mind. And I pray that you would anoint the the mind, the ears of everyone that's in this house today. Anyone who ever may hear this message, I pray that it will find a resting place in our heart, pricking to the very conscience of, the, of our souls that we, might, that we might understand your will and fulfill that in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And you can be seated. I wanna talk to you today about, uh, I wanna talk to you today about Repentance, that is my subject. And uh, I, I would ask that the spirit and the presence of the Lord would help us to allow his presence to prick our heart here today. Amen. I, I'm gonna talk about a subject that for some of you, you have been in church for decades and if we're not careful, it may lose its power or its ability to really carve a place in our hearts. So I'm just gonna ask you today, would you open your heart and let the Spirit of God touch us? Because it seems that there is a tremendous absence in the church and in the ministry or the church at large, that I may say, maybe add that, that there is a lack of the ministry that is calling for congregations to sorrow over sin. Amen. Sin shouldn't just make us ashamed for the moment, embarrassed that somebody around us may have witnessed those deeds or heard something that we said. But what we really need to understand is that God witnessed that and that God heard that. And I want us to understand the value of, of living our lives in such a fashion that we don't offend the presence of the Lord. I don't want to... I don't want to offend God. I don't want his presence to be uh, withheld from me. Instead, it just seems like the day that we live in, we're hearing many pulpits filled with a message that just says believe and accept and everything will be okay. And uh, where this is sort of born is from our text in Acts 16 and 30. But I want us to look at that sort of methodically today. Because Paul and Silas were in prison, in jail. Suddenly the earth shook and the cell doors were open. And I want you to watch. That's why I paused a moment ago. I wanted to point out the, the posture, the position, the attitude of a man just uh, perhaps just a short time ago, the scripture says he thrust them into the inner chamber. That, if you can picture that man in your mind, if you can kind of freeze that frame of a man that thrusts them and binds them 
and then more or less lets them know this is where you belong and this is your place. Now, now if we can look at his position, if we can look at his attitude, the Bible says the jailer thought that the prisoners had escaped and that meant under the law for him immediate execution. It would be his life for their life. And so as he was about to take his life, the scripture says that Paul and Silas stopped him, assuring him that no one had escaped. And so upon seeing this, he understood immediately somehow that something beyond his ability and power had happened to release these men. There's little doubt in my mind that he was not a part of the others that heard them praying and singing praises unto their God. And so instantly this jailer knew that something dynamic and something supernatural had taken place. And it was at that moment he cried, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They responded, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy family. It's important, I think, to look at this picture as a whole. Here is a man who was on the verge of taking his life already to the point of brokenness. And I think that in part, in great part, what repentance is all about is brokenness. Amen. I, I can remember thinking uh, that if I don't get this right tonight, I may not live to see day. And so it wasn't a matter of I'm just going to pray if everybody will stay around and pray with me. I, I was of the mindset that I would have prayed all night alone if that's what it had taken because I just needed to be made right. I was broken inside. On his knees and trembling before the apostles, his body language says it all. And so his heart was prepared at that moment to believe on the Lord in genuine faith. But I think what we must do is continue to read and continue to examine the scriptures and look what happened after he believed. Look what he did on the other side of this confession, so to speak. In verses 32, the Bible says, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway, or right away, right now. We're gonna do this in the middle of the night. This will not wait till the sunrise. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. And so what I'm saying is simply this, that I know that we must believe. And I believe, I, I think that we all understand that, but our obedience must be followed with something or our belief, rather, must be followed with something and there needs to be a sense of obedience in our lives. And so we have to believe, we have to be baptized. Jesus said in the same gospel, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In essence, what Jesus was saying is before people can believe in him, the gospel must first be preached unto them. Something has to come before to, to break open the heart of man, to break open that uh, that crust sometimes that, that surrounds our heart. Romans 10 and 14, the scripture says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And so I can't afford to underestimate the responsibility that that God has placed upon my heart to preach the word because it is through the preaching of the word that the spirit can begin to deal with and teal inside, if you please, the heart of men. And so what was this gospel that Mark 15 is referring to? It was certainly the gospel of repentance. 
What was the first message that Jesus delivered when he emerged from his wilderness? Amen. Launching off his ministry in Matthew 4 and 17, the Bible says, and from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so repentance is a vital part of the plan of salvation. It is not something that we need to gloss over. It is not something that we need to underestimate or underscore or minimize. And uh, in the plan of salvation, I believe that we must repent. We must thoroughly repent of our sins. Amen. I, I think for the most part, that process can be a little bit different for each individual person. Um, but I don't think that we have to I don't think we had to spend a lifetime mourning over what we have done in our past. I believe that he is standing willing and ready and able to forgive us of our sins. When, when David had sinned with Bathsheba and, and uh, Nathan came to him and, and preached a message of repentance essentially to him, and when he said, thou art the man, I believe in that instant David repented. I, I personally believe that David was already filled with sorrow because he was a man after God's own heart. David had a full understanding that what he had done was not all right. This was all wrong in every conceivable fashion. And so when his hand was called at that, in an instant of time, David repented of his sins. And so although I believe that repentance can happen in a short period of time, I do not want to underestimate the value of what repentance does for us. Jesus called people to repent before they even believe. He preached repent first and believe. In Matthew 9 and 13, I am, not, I am not come to call the righteous, but he said, I've come to call sinners to repentance. Luke 13 and three, the Bible says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So it sounds like to me, this is a pretty important part of the puzzle. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we can't, I'm, I'm gonna say this a lot today probably, but we can't minimalize this in our ranks. This is vital to what we're trying to do or what God is trying to do in a person's heart. John the Baptist also preached repentance. He preached repentance to prepare Israel for the coming of the Christ. In Matthew 3, 1 and 2, the Bible says, just to summarize these, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We must have a message of repentance. And I, I hope what I'm saying today are not just words that are bouncing off the wall, but I hope they're words that are piercing the heart of saint and sinner alike to help us to realize that we must, we must understand the value of repentance. People came from everywhere to hear John the Baptist preach. That's the truth. And they didn't come because he was such a polished, eloquent speaker. They didn't come because he was such a great looking man dressed to the nines. <laughs> Amen, he had a message. He was something about the fervor. Amen, and so John, uh, John had a following, but he had one central message and that message was a message of repentance. When Simon Peter came to preach on the day of Pentecost to those masses, what he began to preach was the same thing. I see the continuity of all of this through scripture. And now when they heard this, Acts 2, 37 and 38, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? If I could freeze that right there. It's at this intersection often many of us stand 
And if we stand here and pause, and if we have that far away look in our eyes, or if you're, pardon me as I say, that deer in the headlight look, then men may well understand, misunderstand the value of, of the message. I believe that we need to have the power of God, the word of God, the strength of God, but we also need the boldness of God. I'm thankful that when someone asked, what shall we do? That Simon Peter stood, remember, with the other 11. He stood and said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm saying all of that to say this, that when people have questions in their heart, we need not only to have the answers, but we need to have the courage and the boldness to speak those answers. Amen. Peter didn't tell them just believe. Peter didn't just tell them to believe and everything will be all right. He didn't ask them to make a decision. And I'm not making disparaging remarks. Please don't misunderstand me or be offended today. He told them to repent because that's what the word of God says. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So the first thing we need to do is we gotta deal with this sin issue in your heart. The first thing I had to do was deal with a sin issue in my heart. First thing you had to do was deal with a sin issue in your heart. I gotta get that fixed, amen, I've gotta get that fixed. I gotta break up that, I've got to destroy that and then be baptized in, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, in Acts 17 and 30, Paul preached on Mars Hill. He said, God now commands all men everywhere to repent. And so when Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, he was bathed with the same courage and the same boldness and the same confidence that Simon Peter was married to on the day of Pentecost. He commanded all men everywhere to repent. These Greek intellectuals, they had no trouble believing in God. Understand this now. As a matter of fact, as one author said, believing for them was almost a pastime. It was almost a hobby. They believed in all kinds of things. He meant many gods, first this God and then that God. They believed, but they did all of that while they were living in sin. Can I tell you today, not an informative statement to many, but can I tell you today that there are men and women that are not in this building today, they're not serving the Lord, they're as far away from God as they can be, but they believe that you need to repent. They believe that you need to be baptized. They, need to, they believe that you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They believe that, but if you're not doing anything about that, believing is not enough. I can believe that that switch would turn on the lights in here, but just believing that does not help me. I could live the rest of my life in absolute and utter darkness, and so believing is not enough. I have got to exercise the faith in what I believe, and so I'm thankful that I believe. <laughs> I'm thankful for the faith that God has placed in my heart. I'm glad that I was in that line when he gave every man a measure of faith. I'm glad that I have enough faith to believe, but just believing is not enough. Paul had to tell them that Jesus couldn't simply be someone you add to your list of gods or your list of things to believe. Everywhere Paul preached, went rather, he preached repentance, genuine, genuine repentance. And I believe, and the scripture validates that genuine repentance proves itself by actions. There'll be fruit of repentance. There'll be some evidence 
of repentance. I've seen people's life change before they even receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as an end result of repenting, an end result of making their mind up. I'm not walking this way anymore. I'm, I'm walking a different path. And so it's valuable, it's valuable to understand the meaning and the, and the importance of repentance. Some people believe that repentance is just to turn around and walk in an opposite direction. But the Bible, I think, declares to us that repentance is more than this. It's more than just changing your mind. The full literal meaning of repent in the New Testament is to feel remorse. You can turn around and walk the other way with your body, but your spirit still be walking in that direction. And so to feel remorse for our sin against God, to have sinned against God, to be contrite, to be sorry, to desire to change directions. I'm not, I'm not being pulled in the direction that I would, and I would rather walk the other way. The difference in, in the meaning, I think, rests on, uh, rests on the word want, to want to change the direction, to desire to change directions. And so true repentance includes a desire to change. It's an old illustration I read many years ago, but I looked it up again last night. A story of a man, this is supposed to have been true, a man who sent a check to the government for back taxes that he owed with a simple note attached. I felt so guilty for cheating on my taxes, I had to send you this check. If I don't get any better, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> That's supposed to have really been sent. And uh, kind of indicative of human nature, isn't it? Let's just try this and see if this will relieve the pain. And if, if this is not enough to relieve the guilt, then I'll send in the rest. And so that's not true sorrow. <laughs> that's not true sorrow. So simply being sorrow, sim simply being sorry, rather, doesn't constitute repentance. True sorrow leads to repentance. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 and 7, godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. I'm thankful for uh, the power of repentance that touched my heart. Amen. I'm not talking about all of that in the past tense as though that were something that happened many, many years ago. I'm thankful for every time the power of God has pricked my heart. Amen. I'm going to tell you if I can confess before you today that, that God has pricked my heart multiple times. This week, I've, I, I've tried, I, I try to repent every day, but I'm going to tell you there are times that, that things cross your mind, things that uh, th you say things, you, you, you think things, and, and I said, God, I need you to help me. I, I, I feel like I grieve your spirit. I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to do that. And so I want to understand that repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is not just something reserved for the sinner but I believe when a church cultivates the power and the spirit of repentance that when sinners come in they walk into an atmosphere where the fallow the ground is already broken in the heart of saints amen the ground is already broken in the heart of men and women as we begin to worship God and we can respond and move to the presence of the Lord I'm going to tell you something an altar call is not just reserved for sinners but an altar call ought to every time an altar call ought to be open for everybody in my mind move out of my way I got to get down here to the altar 
Sometimes we're held hostage by what others may think because we came down to the altar. Well, that's like being worried about somebody seeing your car in the parking lot of the doctor's office. If I need the doctor, I can't help what you think about me. If I need a physician, I can't help what your opinion of me may be. Amen. But when I, when I feel that tug in my heart, I gotta move. When I feel that tug in my spirit, I gotta move as the pastor of the church. I gotta step off the platform, come to the altar. I, I can't help what's where somebody's mind may go or what they may think. I need the spirit of God to touch me. I need his holiness, his holy hand to bathe and wash over my heart and my mind. Amen. It's the... It's those that are, that are sick that are in need of a physician. And so we come to the presence of the Lord. Let's none never be ashamed to repent. I mean, if you don't think you repent, need to repent today, that means you think you did nothing wrong. Amen. But I'm going to tell you why you've been levitating all around since Wednesday. Some of us have been fighting hell and fire and brimstone. Amen. While the rest of everybody's been floating around flapping your wings and straightening your halo, some of us have been in the fire. Amen, I need the spirit of God to touch me and strengthen me. Amen, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck today. What I'm trying to tell us is that we all need God. We all need God from the center to circumference. Amen, from the platform to the back door. Hallelujah. I need you, Lord, to bathe my mind and wash my spirit and wash my heart Thoughts that don't need to be there. Opinions that don't need to be there. Resistance that doesn't need to be there. Insecurities that don't need to be there. Hallelujah, the lack of faith that is in there. I need you to forgive me of that because I feel like I'm offending your spirit, offending your presence. <laughs> I don't want to quench the spirit of God. I don't want to frustrate the spirit of God. But I want to cultivate the spirit of God. Amen, amen. I, I've said it many, many, many times. But if we have feel, if we have no conviction in our heart, then how are sinners supposed to feel conviction in their heart? <laughs> oh, the preaching of repentance to people that have had the Holy Ghost 50 years, it ought to stir us and move us and challenge us and change us not cause us just just fold our arms and sit with our with our minds somewhere else but oh lord touch my heart if i have done if listen if we really feel like sin grieves the spirit of god if if we really believe that sin offends the spirit of god then we will change our position amen i don't want to offend the lord i don't want to i don't want to hurt his feelings amen if I may just put it that way. Amen. So if we're not careful, we too can follow the path of many churches and not place a lot of value on repentance. We often hear huge exaggerations of, about everybody in the house giving their heart to the Lord or everybody came forward. I'm going to tell you that can be a tragic exaggeration. Amen. This can happen in our ranks as well. So please don't think I'm standing behind this pulpit throwing rocks at others. I'm telling you that we need to never underestimate and devalue the power of repentance. I'll tell you what scares me is when somebody has that little of an experience with God 
and it doesn't move them or doesn't change them and their life runs aground again and somebody says, you know what, you need to be saved. They are gonna point their finger and say, I tried that and that didn't work. And even in our ranks, if we just underestimate the value of repentance and just try to run people through as though they're cattle being branded so we can get a number... And the Spirit of God has not really been allowed to work, amen, and convict and to pure and to break. I'm gonna tell you something about the, I'm gonna tell you something about the man that was guarding Paul and Silas. He was at a point of brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. Amen, we need to allow the Spirit of God, amen, to move in, the, in a heart of a life and of a person until there is a sense of brokenness and brokenness because I want people to understand that this Holy Ghost experience, there's nothing as, there's nothing as powerful as repenting. The Bible says, I know you've heard it a hundred times, but the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice over one soul that does what? Repents, repents. Not a soul that gets the Holy Ghost, not a soul that's baptized, not somebody that has the spirit of prophecy upon them, not somebody that has given their life to full-time ministry, but over one soul that repents. You know why? Because heaven understands the value of a man coming to the end of himself, amen, and saying, God, I need you more than I need my next breath. I'm not preaching just to the sinners this morning. I'm preaching to the saints that said, Lord, I need you more than I need my next breath. God, help us to never walk into this house or any other house of worship with a spirit of arrogance that God ought to be proud we showed up. No, no, no. I want to stand in his presence in all of his majesty, in all of his wonder. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to quench the spirit, the presence of God. Amen. Tragically, people often leave these settings where they have just repeated a prayer or where they have just kind of walked through whatever somebody has told them to do or say. And because they have never experienced a deep work of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Tragically, they often leave those settings and go right back to their sinful ways because the Spirit of God has not done a real work in their lives. I want to tell you, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, when God truly gets a hold of you, you won't be able to walk out of that experience and get crawl into a bed of adultery. You won't be able to walk out of that experience and walk back and crawl into the bed of fornication. You won't be able to walk away from that experience and walk back, is this too strong? Amen, walk back into a bar room. You won't be able to go back into those old paths, those old habits, those old lifestyles because something's gonna check you at the door. Amen, something is gonna check you at the door. Something's gonna prick your heart and say, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, I shouldn't do that. Amen, you're gonna feel the spirit and the power and the presence of God that says, no, 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 no. Amen, I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear. Please don't think I'm negating my responsibility, but what you need to hear convict you before you hear the voice of your pastor teaching is the voice of Almighty God that says no, 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 no. Amen, and that's why, that's why when the Spirit of God can be at work in our lives, if the preacher doesn't preach on something for two years, amen, you're still not gonna go along and gather it up because the power of God has touched your heart.
heart. And when we reach out and touch something that we should not touch, we're gonna feel the prick in our heart to make that right now. The Bible says not to let the sun go down on our wrath. Wow. I gotta get this taken care of now. I've gotta get this taken care of now. Amen. What if I don't wake up in the morning? So, well, you're just trying to scare us. No, I'm trying to wake us. Because that's how serious it is. Amen. That's how serious it is. Much of the church world has removed the feeling of conviction from their midst. Amen. Anyone who's been moved on by the Holy Ghost naturally feels a profound sorrow, perhaps over the way they have grieved the Lord. But if we're not careful, we, we, we don't want anybody to hurt or be uncomfortable. And I hope, I, I know I'm just risking being hugely misunderstood here today. But I'm going to tell you that we're not trying to lower the message of this church down to one size fits all. Amen. We're just trying to hold this as high as we possibly can. I'm talking about within this book, behold it as high as we possibly can because when we come in here, I need to try to measure me up to that, not bring that down to me. Amen, Lord, help me today to realize that when the spirit of God begins to crush and break a man's heart or a woman's heart, amen, that's all right. Amen, that, that's okay. That's okay for those tears to come. It's okay to feel like I gotta get to that altar. If you need to do that before I'm through preaching, that'll be fine. Amen, why? Because the Bible says when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. If I can say something to this church one more time, I'm gonna tell you I'm thankful for what God has done in our midst, but I'm often convicted when the Spirit of God moves in such a way and yet sinners get up and walk that way instead of walking this way. Amen, there ought to be something that pulls them. There ought to be something that draws them to a spirit of prayer, a spirit of repentance. My Lord, help us today to remain broken in our heart, broken in our lives. Help us. When Peter, when Simon Peter denied the Lord, when he heard that rooster crow the third time, if you're familiar with the story, you know what I'm talking about. He went out and wept bitterly because he remembered the words of Jesus. You see, you can't just work up that kind of repentance in your own flesh. Only the Spirit of God can reveal to us how, like Peter, we have wounded the Lord. He knew he had wounded the Lord. He knew warming his hands over the enemy's fire had offended the Spirit of God. And that revelation ought to fill us with deep sorrow. I'm gonna speak just a moment about the difference between conviction and repentance because sometimes conviction can be misunderstood are mistaken for repentance. It's one thing to feel conviction about our sins, but quite another to turn loose of those sins. It's one thing to sit down at the end of the day and think, you know what, I need to take a bath. But you gotta do more than think about that. <laughs> you gotta do more than just have a, a conscious acknowledgement of that. We gotta get up and do something about that. And so sometimes that conviction comes along in our heart. We think, I gotta do something about my life. I gotta do something about this. But we've got to do more than just think that. We've gotta get up and do something about it. Amen, we, we've got to turn from those sins. Why? Why did Jesus even come in the first place? Matthew one twenty one. amen. And she shall bring forth her son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, 
for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. From their sins. Praise God. Not in them, but he's going to deliver us from them. Now we're going to discuss the issue of sin in, in much more detail later on in this series when we talk about sanctification. But so I, I don't want to just continue here much longer. But Moses was, was told by the Lord to take his shoes off when he was standing at the burning bush because the Lord said, you're standing on holy ground. God is holy. And what we must never underestimate is while the Lord loves sinners, he hates sin. He hates sin. Romans 3.23 says, all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that, there's an all-inclusive statement there. And so since we've all sinned, it's imperative that we all repent of those sins and do an about face because to continue practicing the same sin over and over and over and over and over indicates one thing. We've got a serious issue. And that issue is we have not really repented. We're not really sorry. John the Baptist told a group, he said, you need to bring forth fruit meat for repentance. You need to bring forth some evidence. There needs to be evidence in our lives that I no longer... If you get convicted about lying, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start telling the truth. And I'll tell you what else will develop in your heart. You'll hate liars. You get convicted of stealing, you'll stop stealing. Amen. There'll be a disdain in your heart for thievery. Praise the Lord. We've got to repent and make a commitment on our part to change everything that we have control over. And you know what? There are some things we have control over. Amen. We might try to pin it off on other people and other things and other issues, but there's some things we really can do a lot about in our lives. Let's not spiritualize everything to the point that we're just on a free ride here. Sometimes you just got to shut up. God's not going to come down and put his hand over our mouth. Sometimes we've got to put our own hand over our own mouth. Amen? Is that all right? And so if we, if we can do what we can do, if we will take care of what we can take care of, I will assure you that God will take care of the rest. Repentance is symbolic of the death of Jesus. And so when somebody truly repents, they die out to sin, self, and the world. And so quickly, let me say the Old Testament was full of types and shadows of things which were to come or things that are here now presently for us. And so consider, if you will, with me the first thing that the priest approached when he came to the ceremony of atonement, and that was the brazen altar, which was a place of sacrifice and death. That was where death took place. And so we die. Flesh dies out through repentance. That's why the most important thing in the church is the altar. It's a place where we can come and meet with God, a place of brokenness. And so if we're not careful, we can just focus on the remedy and not focus on the disease. And, and in doing so, we're going we're gonna to continue to walk backwards. That's why there are people that profess the Lord on Sundays but just go right about their own way every other day of the week. Repentance is a fundamental and a thorough change of our heart. It's a turning away from sin and a turning toward God. Amen. The end result of that, of that should be a disgust, a disdain for sin. Amen. That should allow us and cause us to forsake sin, to walk away from it, to surrender then ourselves to the will of God. The Bible says of Job that he loved the Lord, but he eschewed 
evil or he hated evil. Repentance is actually, I think, a gift from God and I believe that scripture can validate that. God has given us his word with its revelation and uh, with uh, revelation of sin and revelation of salvation. He has also given us the ability to be filled, the promise to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And I said a moment ago, that spirit impresses truth upon us. It awakens us to things that uh, awakens our conscience perhaps to things that would lead us astray. And so I want the spirit of God to lead me and guide me and direct me. Amen. So as with faith, so it is repentance. It is left up to us to make some decisions for ourselves. And so we are going to ultimately choose which road we travel. We can choose the wide road of popularity and we can choose the wide road of acceptance and tradition and doctrines of men, but the Bible says that they're going to lead to destruction. Or we can choose that narrow road, that narrow road that leads us to God. According to the word of God, it leads us to life and life more abundantly. I mentioned it a moment ago, but I will repeat that repentance is not just a one-time thing. Amen, I want to repent every day, every day, every day. I'm just, in a, I'm just in a clay shell. I'm just in a clay vessel, subject to error, subject to, subject to wrong. And so the sorrow for sin, I think, should be a constant teacher, a constant teacher. As our musicians come, if they will. To the church of Ephesus, Jesus told them. Powerful, pointed, Revelation 2 and 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Jesus was saying to the church at Ephesus, the, the love that once motivated your faithfulness has just somehow cooled off. The love that once carried you every day with a burning burden in your heart for the lost. But now we're just simply satisfied to sit in church and listen to music and sermons and just go about our way. But we're not really burdened for the lost. Jesus was saying you become so totally engrossed in your own concerns that you're ignoring my concerns. I still think about the pastor that I heard praying. And, and as he was about to retire for the evening, he just reminded God, when I lay down tonight, when I go to sleep this evening, if you need me, just call. My heart was so pricked about that. If you need me, so well, that just sounds silly. No, not really. If you need me, then just call. Remember, the scripture says, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. We need to never forget where we come from. If I can remember where I was when the Lord found me, I'm going to just be honest, and, and I'm not trying to be offensive today. I, I'm really not. But arrogant Christians scare me. I see some people, they walk around like they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and I think, oh, God. 
and look down their long judgmental noses at everybody else that doesn't seem to measure up to their certain ideals. I want to tell you the reason I have such a hard time slapping somebody down is because I remember that I was there. And I'm also aware of the fact that I could be there tomorrow. Because the Bible talks about pride going before a fall. So before you get up there and flap your wings, you need to think about that it's a long way to the bottom. I heard someone say this some time ago. They said, it doesn't really matter how you treat people on your way to the top if you plan on staying there. <laughs> if your idea is that you're never going to fall, you treat people ever how you want to treat them on the way to the top. But when you climb to the top with the understanding that with just one slip, I could be all the way back down, you may treat people differently. You may treat life a little bit differently. See, it doesn't matter how you do on your way up if that's where you're planning to camp out. But when you realize the frailty and how fragile we are as flesh, I want to yearn to come into the house of God. Amen. Every time. Amen. If you're tired of hearing me preach on this, I'm not apologizing. I want to have a desire to be here. I want to have a desire to be here. I want to be in love with him. You know why? That's how it started out. I've had new converts stop me on the front porch. This is the gospel truth. I have new converts stop me on the front porch and wonder why we had to wait till 10 o'clock on Sunday to start. That's a, that, that hurt some of y'all's feelings here this morning just thinking about that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you their suggestion was that we start at 7.30 on Sunday morning. <laughs> okay, I'll move along because I can tell that... <laughs> I know what quicksand feels like, so I'm just going to move along. <laughs> I'm just going to move along. I don't want to lose interest. I don't want to have so much else going on in my life. So here's what the Lord said in verse 5, Revelation 2 and 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. And so the... The consequences of not repenting are very, very serious. I'm going to come quickly and remove the candlestick out of its place. Saying unless you repent, he's going to remove all the spiritual authority that we've been given. Now, please listen to me. That includes the influence of our community. That includes the influence of our neighborhood, the influence of our family, those within our reach or sphere of influence, every bit of influence that that we ever have is only going to be given to us by the hand and the presence of God. Influence for righteousness, I mean. And so he said, I'm going to remove your candlestick out of its place, except you repent. And so you see, it's not an option. I can do this if I want to, take it or leave it. But when I refuse to repent and allow sin to be cultivated in my life, I lose my influence. I lose my influence. Verse 7, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church, to him that overcometh I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of paradise. Jesus is that tree. If you repent, he said, I'll give you constant life from the very beginning. 
And as long as you continue to love me, I'm going to provide a supernatural flow of my spirit right into your life. That's what it's going to take. And so I say, Lord, give me a, a truly repentant heart. I say with all sincerity today, please take me back. Take me back to that place where your spirit ever touched my heart. For me, I want you to take me back to that camp meeting when I was just seven years old and I felt your spirit prick my heart. I was just a child, Brother Gibson, in every conceivable manner of the word. But I'm gonna tell you something real touched the heart of that child. When I was 17 years old in a revival that was held right here in this building, the spirit of God touched my heart. I've never forgotten that experience. I've never forgotten that moment that I prayed that night. You've heard me say this many times. I prayed that night as I had many other times. I prayed until I felt better and then I got up and when I got up, our evangelist for that revival was standing right beside me and he said, young man, you need to get back down there and get the victory. And I was so thankful for a word of instruction. That didn't embarrass me. It didn't shame me. It didn't make me mad. I went back down to that altar and something died out that night, but something was born. <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm being silly, but I'm gonna tell you there have been times, there have been times, and it, it, that happened right around in this general area here. Amen, there have been times I've come into this house and I've stood where I think I was standing that night and I have sang the words to a song we're about to sing to say, God, take me back to that moment. I don't wanna get so accustomed to your presence and power that I forget what it's like to be moved, to be challenged. Take me back, take me back. Amen. I want to. I feel like I must address something. I want us to stand before we walk out of this house today. I prayerfully considered how to say what I think needs to be said. And so, as I sought for words of wisdom and words of guidance and direction, I have a good friend, a missionary friend who penned a few words that kind of coincides with things that have happened in our country and our nation this week. And I just want to tell you as a church, if there was ever a day to be in church, today was a good day to be in church. If there was ever a day for a church to be lifting up its voice in prayer, in prayer it's today. If there was ever a time that the church needs to be the church, it is right now. Amen. Right now. June the 26th of 2015 is a day that I believe history will prove a day of sad infamy. It'll be a day forever etched and burned into our mind the day that the Supreme Court overturned the will of the people in several states who, who were clearly in the majority in favor of those that only make up 1.6% of our entire population. Think about it. We have reached a point, sadly, where we officially have the tail wagging the dog. However, today all over America and around the world, churches just like us have gathered. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. And we're going to come in with tears of repentance. 
churches all over our nation now have a greater resolve, or we should have a greater resolve to stand, to stand today as never before. Our anguish and our outcry must not stop in the prayer rooms. Our anguish and cry must not stop in places of private prayer. Our anguish and outcry must not must not be relegated to what happens in the back room of our house or behind the barn. But we must be moved into a public arena. Are you hearing me, church? To once and for all look up from our gadgets, to look up from our toys, to look up from the things that Satan has provided to mesmerize and entertain us. Hear me today. We must look up from our trinkets and we must stare society straight in the eyes to let this be a wake-up call to enter the battle of holiness and enter the battle of godliness like never before. We, church, I'm gonna repeat a verse that I mentioned a moment ago, must stand like Paul, the apostle, when he stood on Mars Hill and he said, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. If there was ever a day that we need to repent, it's the day that we're living in. If there's ever a day that we need to have godly sorrow, it is the day that we are living in. Amen, I am addressing us as an audience, a congregation, a body, a family. And I'm telling you, Lord, help us to never stray afar, too far away from the value of repentance. I don't wanna underestimate it, devalue it in our midst. I wonder if we could worship the Lord. Would you lift your hands? Would you let this be your prayer? Amen, would you let this be your prayer today? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.